All right, that's a little too friendly. Sit down, sit down. Hey, it's great to see you. Thank you so much for being here at New Life Patterson. Hey, I just wanted to say that, uh, first of all, my name is Jeremy, and I'm the campus pastor here for New Life Patterson. We have uh, two locations, one in Turlock, one here in Patterson, and we got started about four years ago. COVID hit, and we weren't allowed to meet in the school anymore because we were meeting in the high school. And then so throughout COVID, God showed us this building, and so we gutted it out and renovated it, and here we are. So we started having services here in April. This is our very first Easter service right here in this building. So we can look around and see what God has done uh, for us and for New Life Patterson's. But I just wanted to say, if you're here for the first time, maybe you haven't been to church in a few weeks. Maybe you haven't been to church in a few months. Maybe you haven't been to church in a few years. Uh, Thank you for choosing New Life uh, because there's a lot of amazing churches in our community. Pastor Tito and I are friends with all the, well, not all the pastors, but with a lot of the pastors here in the community. And there's a lot of great churches, a lot of great pastors, but you chose New Life. And we just wanted to say uh, thank you for doing so. Um, We we, we love seeing a full house. We put out more chairs this week uh, because we knew that that God was going to bless us and and, uh, send a lot of people here. So we just wanted to say, uh, we hope you didn't feel like a stranger. We hope from day one, one of the biggest uh, compliments we get is when people come here for the first time and then they make new life their home. They say, hey, you know, from day one, I never felt like a stranger. I felt like this was home. And uh, so uh, thank you that we've created that environment that we do say that we are a family. We have our new sign up. Doesn't that look great? Loving people one step closer to Jesus. So we just got that up on Monday. And so uh, that we've been waiting for that for a while. And so uh, we just got it up. And so it looks great. And just a little bit at a time, we're still making this our home, right? But uh, thank you so much for being here. Hey, go ahead and take out your phones. If you could turn your phones to either off or silent, we'd really appreciate that. That way it doesn't go off in the middle of service. We know that that uh, uh, Easter is always our, our biggest uh, attended service, right? Because we think, oh, we want to get together with faith family other than Mother's Day. Because Mother's Day is like the second highest attended Sunday of the year. Did you know that? Because when you ask our mothers, hey, what do you want for Mother's Day? They just say, oh, I just want everybody to go to church with me, right? Now, when you ask fathers, hey, what do you want for Father's Day? I just want everyone to leave me alone, all right? I just want to sit in this chair and no no one to talk to me all day long. And so that's why on Father's Day, we really could go to one service uh, because uh, all the fathers just want to stay home. But anyway, you chose to be here and we just want to say thank you. Hey, uh, just real quickly, uh, some of the some of the announcements that we give every week. We have a texting number that we adopted a couple of years ago, 30500. And so you can text the word P update to that number and you can stay up to date with what's happening around here. For instance, this week, there are no weekly activities. So no students, no men's Bible study. Uh, but we do have women's Bible study that's starting next week. Okay, our very first women's Bible study is starting next Tuesday morning at 9.30 right here. Okay, next Tuesday morning, the 26th, uh, right here at 9.30. And so there's no weekly activities. Um, If you uh, ever want to send prayers our way because you want the staff to be praying uh, with you over a need, you can text the word prayers to that number. You can also text the word team if you want to jump on one of our volunteer teams. We couldn't do what we do every week without uh, the faithfulness of our volunteers, and so we wanted to say thank you to them. And so if you want to join one of our teams, you can text the word team to that number also. And uh, two weeks from today, if you've never dedicated your child to God and you want to do that, we have child dedications coming up two weeks from today. It'll be 
our first, uh, I think, it would, yeah, it'll be our first child dedications that we have here in this building as well. So that's happening on May 1st, but the uh, registration link is open right now. So you can go online, go to either our app or our website, sign up your children. Now this is for children or babies, okay? None of you moms don't want to be bringing your 45-year-old son up here. You know, I want to dedicate my 45-year-old to the Lord, you know. You should have did that a long time ago. So this is for our babies and for our kids, okay? Uh, And then also, um, if you're here for the very first time, uh, please don't leave before you receive a gift. We have a gift uh, that we want to give to you for being a guest here at New Life. So as you came in, you probably saw the big tent up that said starting point. We normally have that on the inside of our building, but today we have it outside uh, because we know that there'll be more people here. We didn't want to create a lot of congestion. So before you leave... When you go out the door, go to our starting point tent and say, hey, it's my first time here. And we have a little gift bag that we want to give you. It's got a New Life coffee mug in it and some other things in there. But we just wanted to say uh, thank you so much for, for being our guest. And also, if you're here for the very first time and you don't have a home church, then we want to say to you, welcome home. Amen. I love that. Hey, first service almost beat you guys. All right. Just so you know. And they said that they're going to come up and let you know that they got to be here for Easter service first. All right. But you, there's actually more people here, so I think you guys can beat them up. So just so you know, I'm not trying to create any division between our services, but you're thinking, man, this is my first time here. This dude is nuts. This guy, is this guy really a pastor? Yeah, they'll give anybody a license to preach now, won't they? Hey, go ahead and turn in your Bibles. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of John. We're going to be in the Gospel of John today, chapter 20. Now, if you're new to the faith, uh, the Bible that, that we read, the Christian Bible, is divided up into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so the first four books of the New Testament, the Bible's comprised of 66 different books. And so the first four books of the New Testament are called the Gospels. And the Gospel just simply means good news. And so they are the four Gospels, uh, the four books, their biographies of Jesus from their point of view as they walked with Jesus. So they're the good news of Jesus. And we're going to be in the Gospel of John, the book of John, uh, chapter 20. Uh, Welcome to Easter. Uh, This is an exciting time. And uh, one of the things that we like to say on Easter is that we are not celebrating the cross. We're celebrating an empty tomb. All right. When we see things, uh, when we see crosses, you know, and of course there's nothing wrong with this, you know, uh, when we see a cross and we see an image of Jesus still hanging on the cross, it's beautiful and it kind of reflects and re- reminds us of what Jesus did for us on the cross and it's super important. But I like to celebrate an empty tomb uh, more than Jesus on the cross. What he did on the cross had to pave the way to the empty tomb, but that is why we celebrate Easter. So over the past several weeks, we've been in this series called Jesus Went. And today we're continuing that, but we, we've been diving a little bit deeper into the places that Jesus went and some of the people that Jesus encountered once he got there. And in those places, we've been learning over the last several weeks that we get to experience his presence in a way that only he can offer. He went to the desert. And he faced temptation. And now we can know that when we go through our temptation, and you are going to go through temptation, but Jesus is with you in those moments of temptation. We learned that he went to a wedding when he turned the water into wine. He performed this this miracle, this unlikely miracle to show us that he can do the unlikely things in our lives as well. He went to the outsiders and showed us that, uh, that, 
we are not overlooked, that when we feel marginalized, that when we feel like we are hopeless, that God still comes and lets us know that he wants us, that we matter, and that he wants us to be part of our family, uh, part of his family, no matter what we've done. We hold our past against us, but Jesus does not. He went to the unexpected places to reveal to us that when we face those hopeless situations, he goes right to those difficult moments in our lives, and he brings us life and hope. He went to the table, talking about the last uh, supper, and uh, he went there to, to basically send out an invitation that all of us, all of humanity are invited to take a seat at that same table. When he died on the cross 2,000 years ago, the invitation went out to humanity to say, you're invited to the same table. And then last week, we talked about how Jesus went to the storms and how we are going to go through storms, whether it's a physical storm or an emotional storm or a psychological storm or a marital storm or a parental storm. We are going to go through those storms in our life. But do not fear because Jesus has overcome the world. He is right beside us in our storms. He, a lot of times we think that Jesus is just going to speak to the storm like he did with the disciples and the storm is going to go away. That's not the promise that Jesus gives. The promise is, is that when we are in our storm, he is right there with us. He has never forsaken us. He has never abandoned us. Even when Jesus feels distant from us, he's right there beside us. But this weekend, this Easter weekend is, of course, a little different. Because all of those were places that Jesus went, and we have the assurance that when we are in those situations, that Jesus is with us as well, that he goes with us. But this weekend is really about the fact that Jesus went to the cross so that we don't have to. He took the punishment and paid the price for our sin so we don't have to. And this is huge. He invites us to accept what he did on our behalf. It's the greatest exchange ever. If you think about, you know, things that you need to exchange, things that you need to take back, you know, and you know that shirt that you bought three years ago that you said, one of these days, I'm going to get in that shirt. And it's still hanging there with the price tag on it because you've never gotten into it yet. And you think, I wonder if they'd still take this shirt back. You think about that. This is the greatest exchange ever. He took our sin and he takes my failure and he takes your wounds and all the junk that's in our lives. And rather than giving us what we really deserve, he gives us grace and he gives us life and he gives us hope and he gives us freedom and he offers us forgiveness. And that is what Easter is all about. The agony of the cross sets the stage for the light of the resurrection because Easter is not about the cross. It's about an empty tomb, about a resurrection. Jesus died, but today he is risen all right, we got four people. We're going to do that again. This is a super old traditional thing that we do in church on Easter, but I'm going to shout, he is risen, and you're going to shout back at me, he is risen indeed. Ready? He is risen. He is risen Ooh, you guys smoked first service. You can let them know that. But today, it's not just about Easter. Uh, that Easter is not just about today. It's about life. That once you and I were separated by God because of our sin, but in Jesus... He's made a way to bring us back into a relationship with the Father. He reconciled us back to the Father, and he offers us true life and true joy and true peace and true purpose. That's what we're trying to figure out anyway, right? 
What's the meaning of life? Why am I here? What is my purpose? What's the point of all this? And what does Easter have to do with my purpose? So I don't know if you grew up uh, reading comic strips. Um, I love Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, those of you that may be Calvin and Hobbes fans, if you don't know who Calvin, Calvin and Hobbes is, we'll pray with you after service because you should know who Calvin and Hobbes is. Every Sunday morning when I was, when I was growing up, we didn't have cable TV or phones or anything like that. So my brothers and I would fight over the comic strips. And I would read Garfield and Marmaduke and Calvin and Hobbes and some of these others. But I love Calvin and Hobbes. And there's this one comic strip uh, that really uh, had me thinking lately. It's Calvin, he's at school, and his teacher is attempting to teach. Those of you who are teachers know what I'm talking about when you try to teach, right? And your students are not behaving right. And so the teacher says, if there are no questions, we're going to move on to the next chapter. And then Calvin says, oh, I have a question. And the teacher says, certainly, Calvin, what is it? And Calvin says, what's the point of human existence? <laughs> and this little kid asking this big question. And then the teacher says, well, I meant any questions about the subject at hand, and then Calvin, I love his reply. Well, frankly, I'd like to have the issue resolved before I expend any more energy on this. And I think that's a lot of us. While I get a laugh out of Calvin's motive, a part of me really appreciates his question. Because here's this looming question over us that says, what is the point of all of this? And why does Easter even matter? And the answer to this big question is this. All right, you get to leave here today on April 17, 2022, saying, Pastor Jeremy gave me the answer to the universe, all right? So write this down. Here we go. Why does this even matter? What's the point of life? What is the point of existence? And it's, it's this. God made me to love me. That's it. You think, that's not very profound. No, it's pretty simple, isn't it? God made you to love you. He designed you and he designed me not to just follow a bunch of rules, but to be in a relationship. But all of that was broken thousands of years ago by us, by humanity, by our sin. There's this separation between us and God and something has to be done about that. That's what's so amazing about Easter. It's a celebration of God's ultimate rescue to that to that question. It's a celebration of God's ultimate answer to that question. Jesus is the one that bridged the separation. He bridged the gap between us and the Father by his sacrifice on the cross. But then he rose to life to bring us life, to restore our life and to restore purpose and the point of life, to be known by God and to be loved by God. And if you think about it, nowhere Nowhere is God's ultimate plan of love, nowhere is God's ultimate plan of reconciliation more settled and more summed up than an empty tomb, than an empty tomb that we celebrate this weekend. So the point of Easter is not a cross. The point of Easter is an empty tomb. Now, tombs have often, they've often been known to kind of tell us something about the person that passed away, Right? You've probably, you know, multiple, we've all probably been to a cemetery before. We've seen the tombstones and we see the, the birth date and we see the death date on there. Maybe even a short statement along with it that says precious mom or beloved son or loving dad. I once served with a pastor in Colorado and his grandmother, he said, all my life, my grandmother would say, grandma's sick, I'm going to die. Grandma's sick, I'm going to die. And they're like, okay, grandma, we know you're sick. You're going to, for decades, she would say this. Finally, one day, grandma got sick. She passed away. 
And so when they went to the cemetery, when they went to her funeral, they looked on her tombstone and beside or under the birthday and the death date was a thing, was a quote in scripture or was a quote that said, I told you I was sick. They said, yep, that's just like grandma. Let everybody know that she was sick. There's a poem that I often read at funerals and memorial services. It's beautiful. It's called The Dash. And it talks about how the the beginning and the ending dates are not what's important. It's what we do in the dash between the dates that really matters. Maybe the most famous tomb discovered was about 100 years ago for King Tut in Egypt. Okay, He ruled around 1344 BC at the age of nine. All right, can any of you that have kids imagine your nine-year-old ruling anything? I know you're just trying to get your kid to brush his teeth at nine, all right? But this guy was ruling an entire nation. But when they discovered his tomb, they found wealth. They found gold and boats and chairs and thrones and chests of treasure treasure and solid gold masks and gold shrines. I've seen pieces of, uh, of the, what they found at, at a museum in Milwaukee. And then there's the sarcophagus and the mummified body. I want you to pay attention to that. The sarcophagus and the mummified body still in the tomb. Everything was extravagant show of wealth and power and position and authority. But when it's all said and done, it's still a tomb for the dead. Compare that to the simple tomb of Jesus. No wealth no show, no extravagant display of position or power. In fact, it wasn't even his. It was a borrowed tomb. But the main difference was the tomb of Jesus was found empty. I mean, he only needed it for three days anyway. It was more, more like a short-term lease than it was anything else. He went to the tomb, but he didn't stay there. He took up life again so that we can live as well. And that changes everything. So let's read about it in John chapter 20, verses 1 through 9. It says this, Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Now, I just want to stop and educate us a little bit on who wrote this. John is the writer of John. The other disciple that he's talking about here is himself. That takes a lot of boldness, right? To, to write things like that. And the one whom Jesus loved, she said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple <laughs> started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I'm like, why do you have to put that in there about yourself, man? Come on. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. While the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. That's critical. He saw and believed. Watch this. For until then, they still had not understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. These are men that Jesus handpicked to follow him around for three years, saying, this is what's going to happen after I die, and they still didn't believe. They saw him do miracles. They saw him walk on water. They saw him calm storms. But resurrection? 
Mm, that's a little hard to believe. So there's three things I want us all to write down uh, for this week, for this weekend's message. Jesus went to the cross and rose again so I can experience his truth and life. So I can experience his truth and life. If you don't want to write it down, we also have the notes that are available on our app. If you just want to go to the app store and download our app, you can find our, the message notes on there as well. So right away, we see that we're confronted with a truth that challenges our hearts and our minds when we, when we read the story. Mary goes to the tomb, empty. The disciples go to the tomb and it's empty. In some of the other accounts, there's angels that standing there and saying, I know who you're looking for, ladies. He's gone just like he said he was going to. He has risen from the dead. He told you he was going to do this. He's gone. That is a truth that when you and I face Easter, it will challenge our whole world view. Did Jesus Christ really rise from the dead? I mean, think about it. There are people before Jesus and after Jesus who claimed to, to be the sent one, who claimed to be a Messiah, who claimed to be the chosen one. And some of them were actually executed for the same exact thing, for claiming to be the Messiah. But the difference is all of them died. None of them came back. I mean, even some of their followers, the people who were following these so-called other messiahs, they dispersed. You wouldn't even know that they were uh, uh, these false prophets and false messiahs followers because they're not owning up to anything. Why is Jesus so unique? Why is it that within a couple of centuries, the message of Christ spread to the whole known world? And today, people all over the world are celebrating just like we are today that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. What was it that changed the minds of the disciples? What was it? What did they see? What did they, did they experience that really changed their mind? Because it wasn't his teaching. I mean, his teaching was great. If you look through the teachings of Jesus, it was all amazing things. But there's other religions that teach some pretty amazing things too, right? I think we can all agree. It wasn't that he was a miracle worker. It wasn't that he was unique and lived a one-of-a-kind life because you can look at other religions and find some of their messiahs that lived a pretty one-of-a-kind life. And it wasn't the moral code that he lived and taught. It was one thing, an empty tomb, an empty tomb. Jesus went to the cross, but it wasn't the end of the story. The disciples thought it was. They thought it's over, it's done. But they touched Jesus. After he had risen from the dead, they spent time with Jesus. They saw everything that he went through, and then they were able to touch him. They talked with him. They had conversations with someone that they saw die on this cross, and they experienced that he had risen from the dead. And you say, but Jeremy, they were just superstitious back then. We're so much smarter today. None of us would ever fall for that. We're so, we're so much more sophisticated. We have DNA. We have science. I mean, we're modern people. We know better. We're educated Back then, they always believed those kinds of things. They would believe that a resurrection is possible, but we would never believe that now. No, they didn't believe it. They didn't want to believe it. I mean, think about this. Jesus over and over again was walking around saying, I am the Savior. I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. I'm going to die. I'm going to pay the price for your sins. And then I'm going to prove my power and authority by coming back from the dead. And I'm paraphrasing this, but you have to think that the, that the disciples were coming up to Jesus and saying, Jesus, you have to quit saying that. That sounds weird. And you're making us look weird because we're following you around. 
You can't keep going around telling people that you're going to rise from the dead. No one does that. That's impossible. In three days? I mean, at least tell people that you're going to come back from the dead in 10 minutes. Don't don't say three days. Jesus, that is impossible. We have to come up with a different marketing strategy if we want people to follow you. But when you read through the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we can't find any evidence in the four Gospels that any one of the 12 disciples actually believed it. We don't find any evidence that any of the disciples expected Jesus to come alive. None of them. You would think just one walking with Jesus for three years and seeing all the amazing things that he did. You would think that at least one of the disciples would be sitting there on that third day and saying, I wonder if, you know, Jesus always, all the time kept telling us that he's going to, you know, destroy this temple. And in three days, it's going to be built back up. And we know that he was talking about himself. Maybe we should go hang out at the tomb and see what happens. But we don't read that. We don't read that any of them were actually expecting that. You would have thought that one of them would have checked it out just in case. But none of them did. Because in their minds, a resurrection was impossible. Right? I mean, you just don't come alive again. Like we said, they'd seen the betrayal. They'd seen the trial. They'd seen the beating. They'd seen the, the nails driven in his hand. They'd seen him put up on that cross. They saw him die, and then they saw his lifeless body pulled off of that cross and then put in that tomb. And it's, in their minds, it's over. It's done. It was a great ride, but now it's over. So what changed? What caused these people who believed that there was no, rex- no resurrection to hit the streets with passion and with fire, to go to the places where they knew that their lives would be at risk, to say, Jesus has risen from the dead? One reason, because the evidence was overwhelming. Jesus appeared to them. He appeared to them after he had died and after he had risen from the dead. He appeared to them. In one instance, he appeared to over 500 people at one time. Eyewitnesses are one thing. But then they go to the empty tomb and see that Jesus wasn't there. It was the overwhelming evidence that changed their lives. How crazy is that? How crazy is it to go around and say that someone had risen from the dead? I mean, it would have been much better if they just said, hey, you know that guy we were traveling with, that Jesus guy? I mean, you know the ones that was teaching all these great things? We're going to keep the spirit of those teachings alive by teaching them ourselves. But they weren't just proclaiming the teachings of Jesus. They were proclaiming that he himself has risen from the dead. Thousands upon thousands believed. And the truth exploded across the world. That he went to the cross. He went to the grave. He came to bring us life. He came to bring you life. He came to bring me life. And that allows us to reconnect the point and the meaning of why we're here. To have a relationship with God. And that changes everything. So here's point number two. Jesus went to the cross and rose again to show how much he values me. To show just how much he values me. So another big question that we can ask is, when it comes to the crucifixion, when it comes to the sacrifice that Jesus paid on the cross, why? Why would he do that? Why would he do that for you? Why would he do that for me? Why would he go through all that for his followers, not just just his followers back 2,000 years ago, but for me today? And I think it's because the reason why it's hard for us to see that is because we don't put a lot of worth 
and value on us. We don't see ourselves the way that Jesus sees us. We don't think that we're worth the sacrifice. But Jesus says you are. So I read about this story in the LA Times about a gem dealer, you know, gems and stones and minerals, uh, that went to a show. He went to a gem and mineral show in Tucson, Arizona. And as he was strolling around, he was looking at all the gems and looking at all the rocks and everything. He saw this one that was in a Tupperware bin. And it said $15 each. So he goes and he's digging around in these rocks. And then at the bottom of it, he sees this one. It's about the size and the shape of a potato. That's got a bluish hue to it. And so he goes up to the dealer and he says, hey, you, you want $15 for this? And the, and the dealer said, yeah, you know what? It's, I know it's kind of ugly. It's kind of odd looking. I tell you what, give me 10 bucks for it. It's okay. So we gave him $10 for it. And then he had it appraised. And since then, it's been certified as a nearly 2,000 carat star sapphire appraised at $2.25 million. And the reporter that's sitting down was talking to him. He's like, come on, man. Don't you feel bad that you only gave this guy 10 bucks for this rock? And his response is epic. He says this, when someone places a price on something, that's what it's worth to him. Think about that. When someone places a price on something, that's what it's worth to that person. What was the price for you? What was the price for me? Because we have this, we have a habit of putting our own price tags on ourselves, don't we? We look at ourselves in the mirror. We're not happy with what we see. We see imperfections. We, we're driven by our insecurities and we think about our past. We think of decisions we've made and we look in the mirror and this is what we see and we're disgusted by it. We're not happy with it. And before, before long, we put a price tag hanging on our ear or hanging around our neck that says worthless. And that's, how, and that's not how God sees us. God sees us as his precious sons and as his precious daughters. So what was the price for you and me? The life of God's only son. That's how much you're worth to him. Every single one of you are worth so much to God. He was willing to sacrifice his son for you and he did it. Do you see how much God values you? Do you see how much God treasures you? And now I think about that. It took a lover of stones to recognize this sapphire's worth, just like it takes the lover of souls to recognize the true value and worth in you. Jesus sees value in us. He sees us as priceless treasure. Like we said, the worth and the value that we put on ourselves is oftentimes not the best because we measure ourselves with success or wins in our life. But Jesus looks at you and me, and he's willing to give up his life to restore us into a right relationship with his father. And so he did so. Jesus did all of that. He did that all the time here on earth. If you read through the gospels, you see all these encounters that Jesus had with who society pushed aside and marginalized and said they weren't worth it. The beauty that he saw in the, in the blind man, the, 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 the person with leprosy that people would avoid and stay away from, especially a rabbi. Rabbis weren't allowed to get so many feet within someone with leprosy. And Jesus walked over there and loved on them. The despised tax collector, the woman at the well, 
that Jesus met a Samaritan woman. The Jews and Samaritans wouldn't have anything to do with each other because the Jews looked down at Samaritans like they were half-breeds and they were mixed races and generations and generations of mixed races. And so the Jewish people didn't want to have anything to do with them. But Jesus showed up at the well right when a woman was there drawing water. And he said, where's your husband? And she says, I'm not married. And he said, no, you're not married now. You've been married five times. And the one you're living with now, you're not married to. And he never judged her one time. He loved her. He accepted her exactly the way that she was. But the thing is with Jesus, when we encounter Jesus, we come to him the way that we are, but we leave different. We leave changed. And he did it all the time. He recognizes your true worth, whether you see it or not. The Apostle Paul wrote this to the people of Rome, chapter 8. For God has proved his love by giving us his great treasure, the gift of his son, And since God freely offered him up as a sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. You see, as fellow human beings, we see ourselves as frail and flawed, but as a father, he sees us as his sons and his daughters. Think about it. Those those of you that have children, you don't look at your children and see all the imperfections. You love them exactly the way that they are. That's how Jesus looks down at us. We are his precious creation. He touched the lepers. He went to the poor. He went to the unlikely because every single person matters to God. So today you and I can see the empty tomb and how it reminds us of what matters most to God. Us. We matter to God. So here's your last fill in for the weekend. Jesus went to the cross and rose again to bring me ultimate peace to bring me ultimate peace. Can you imagine the conflicting emotions that was going on in the minds of Jesus' followers? Asking themselves, is he alive? Is this some sort of crazy hoax? Is this magic? Could this really be happening? They couldn't believe this was happening. They left stunned. They left speechless. They didn't know what to say. And maybe you've been in those moments where you just are stunned. You're at a loss for words because of something that someone has done for you. Maybe they did something for you that was unexpected. Maybe they threw a surprise party for you. Something, they gave you a gift that you didn't see coming. Maybe, those of you, maybe if you're a student and you think, oh man, I bombed that test, I bombed that final, but then you got it back and it was an A. You're like, what kind of curve did this professor have on this thing? I thought I was going to fail this thing. But can you imagine what it was like on that resurrection day, on that third day, Verses 19 and 20, that evening, the disciples gathered together and because they were afraid of reprisals from the Jewish leaders, they had locked the doors to the place where they met. So the disciples got together. They had heard that Jesus has has risen from the dead and they think, okay, we need to huddle. We got to get together and see what our next move is. So they get to this room, they lock the door and they're meeting. And then suddenly Jesus appeared among them and said, peace to you. Then he showed them the wounds of his hands and his side. They were overjoyed to see the Lord with their own eyes. There was this political and religious fallout from what had just happened with the, with the, uh, the death of Jesus, and they were afraid. Risen from the dead, the body's gone. Now we're really coming after you guys. We think you stole the body just to say that he had risen. There was emotional carnage from the loss and grief, and there was this shame of the day that they abandoned, just three days before when they abandoned Jesus, because it says that when Jesus was arrested, the disciples scattered. They didn't want to be next. So they were dealing with this guilt and this shame. 
And I'll bet there were a few of those disciples in that room that were wondering, if Jesus is alive, what's he going to say to me? What would I say to him? Maybe they thought they were just a lost cause after all. So I don't know if you've ever had a car totaled. Have you ever totaled a car or had a car even stolen? Pastor Dave talks about where he lives in Turlock. He said, man, he said, we've had so many cars stolen. I'm like, where do you live? Dude, you just have signs on your cars that say free, take one, you know? But he's talking about all these cars that he's had stolen over the years. And I'm like, well, I've never had a car stolen, but I've had a couple that I've totaled out. And there, you know what? When you get really attached to a vehicle and you, you're in an accident, you look back, you go, oh, please don't let it be totaled. Please let it be fixable, you know? Then you get that call from the insurance agent that says, not worthy to repair. You're like, oh, man. Let me just say that God never gives up on you. God never sees you as totaled out. God never sees you as too messed up, too wrecked, too much damage. You are never totaled out to God. He comes to bring us ultimate peace. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean that you'll never have problems? That if I start following Jesus to the best of my ability, it doesn't mean I'm perfect, but does that mean that I'll never have stress, never have problems, never have conflict? No. Jesus even said, in this life, you will have troubles and sorrows. But then the second part of that verse, he says, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. The ultimate peace that Jesus brings to us through the cross and the resurrection is peace with God, peace with our Father, peace with the Creator, restored relationship, a brand new beginning. It doesn't mean you're not going to have battles. You may feel like this morning that you are just searching and searching for hope and for joy and for peace, and you just don't have that. It's because the only person that can really offer that is a relationship with Jesus. Forever peace between you and God. Forever peace in your soul. So I've asked the band to come up and do this last song. You don't have to stand. You don't have to sing. I just want everyone to sit and relax and just read the words on the screen and let them speak to you. Let them speak to you. Let the band play. Let the band sing. You just stay seated. The words will be on the screen, like I said. And then after they're done, I'm going to come up and close out. Amen. If you don't get anything else about from this morning, just listen to this. This is not about religion. It's not about rituals. It's not about tradition. This is about relationship. It's about our relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, I believe that each one of us, when we're born, we're born with a void. We're born with something on the inside of us that can only be filled by the presence of God in our life. We try to fill it with things, with success and money and jobs and position and careers and sex and drugs and alcohol and whatever else we try to fill in that void. But all it is is just a big black hole for all of those things except for the presence of Jesus Christ. And when we fill it with that, that's when we get satisfied. Does it mean that everything's going to be great? We already said no. It means we find our true identity in Jesus. God made you to know him. 
He made you to have relationship with him, and he wants every single one of his children, all of his sons and all of his daughters, to experience the only the peace that only he can give. I want to read the Apostle Paul's words here in Romans chapter 5. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into the marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. So here's what I want to do next. If you'll just bow your heads where you're seated. Keep your eyes closed, please. We have, I just want to give anyone in here an opportunity to surrender their life to Jesus. And you, say, you may say, I did that years ago, Jeremy. That's awesome. You may be in here, you say, you know what, Jeremy, I'm one of those that have kind of drifted away from a faith family. I've drifted away from an experience with Jesus, and I want to recommit that. Maybe you've never committed your life to Jesus, and you say, I want to do that today. I want to walk out of here saying, April the 17th, 2022 is the day that I surrendered my life to Jesus and began following him. I want to give you that opportunity as well. So every single person in here, doesn't matter if you're a follower of Jesus or not, I want us all to repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. I make you my Lord and Savior. I accept that you died on the cross and that three days later, you rose from the dead. And beginning today, I can begin a new relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you so much. For those that just surrendered their life to you, Lord, we know that the angels in heaven are celebrating right now. Lord, I thank you for those who have drifted away, Lord, who have come back into the fold, Lord, and have surrendered their life to you again. Lord, thank you. Thank you for their decision. Lord, we know it's not going to be an easy journey, but it is a well-worth-it journey. We thank you for drawing us close to you. Thank you for being the creator of the universe, but also the lover of my soul. You're such a good God, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, before you leave, can I just encourage you to do something? We showed you that texting number that was up there earlier. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, can you text the word decision to that number, D-E-C-I-S-I-O-N, to 30500, because we have, we have some information that we, we just want to send you, okay? Nothing, you know, we're not asking for anything. All we want to do is say, hey, if you began your journey with Jesus beginning today, we've got some information that we want to send you to help you kind of on that journey, okay? That's, that's all that is. But if you could do that, we'd really appreciate that. Also, don't forget, if you are here for the very first time, we have a gift for you. So as you walk out those doors, Go to the starting point tent and you'll see a gift bag there. That is our gift to you for being a guest with us. And also, if you're here for the very first time, don't feel uh, uh, guilty about walking by. We have giving stations uh, um, by our exits. Hey, that's not for you. That's for our, our people that already called New Life Home. You just walk right on by there, okay? We're just glad that you're here, okay? Also, if you have children in, uh, that you checked in, if you could do us a favor and help us not create a bottleneck uh, and only send one parent to go get your kids, okay? If you don't want your kids, you can just leave them. Um, and then Anna always, she's, 
Anna already has four. She'll take all your kids home and feed them. Just make sure you pick them up by dark, okay? Hey, we love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Hope to see you again next week, okay? Have a great one.